0: Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.
1: Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. So and she
0: says, thanks for letting me borrow this. I say, absolutely. I did that to you. I can't believe I did that to you. So don't worry
2: about it hello, hello guys. Welcome back to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Cara Berry, our Housewives Friday for the week, recapping. Part three, the final part of our season four of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City and the latest from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. We're going to start with Salt Lake. Let's just wrap our girls up for the season, shall we? Because was it? Yeah, it was an interesting episode for sure. But do I think I'm not going to do a traditional uh, recap in the sense of like going beat by beat like I normally do because I feel like... There are so many things that we could skip over and then things that really need to be exhaustedly sp- spoken about. And by things, I mean, like, we need to, I mean, like, I'm going to. So that's the plan <laughs> for for this episode. So let's get into part three of the reunion, right? I mean, first of all, it starts with, with Lisa and wanting her glam and freaking out of the Trixie Motel. Like, do we need to talk about that? Do we need to talk about Mary telling Lisa that she's insecure, if that's what she needs, if she requires glam every single day and Lisa's delusions about being some sort of Elizabeth Taylor. Like, I told John Barlow that I was going to die dripping in diamonds and with glam. Like, that's that's just what I do. Okay. Okay. We can move on. Mary's segment basically ends with Andy acknowledging her power and her impact with the franchise and pretty much tells her What do you? What would you like your future to be with the cast? Do you want to come back to the show, or how are you feeling? Like totally in her hands, she says, "Maybe." You know, like if people want to grow up, basically, and you know, Whitney's always acting like she's terrified with me, which she isn't. (laughs) So Whitney says, "I'm not scared of you, Mary. I'm scared of upsetting you. I'm afraid of disappointing you. It's a difference." Then we go back to Bermuda, right? Dark and stormy, receipts-proof, timeline screenshots, Heather revealing that Jen did, in fact, give her the black eye, right? Andy says to Monica, you've been accused of being a troll account on social media that has come for everyone in this group. Are you, Reality Vontees?" Monica says, I was part of it, but I didn't name the account, I didn't open the account, I didn't start this... I did start posting under the account in 2021, but I was one of six, right? She says that during the time that she was posting on Reality Tee, she was not working for Jen, but this was after she had given her statement to the FBI as a witness. So Monica then says that the account was made to expose the truth on Jen and how Jen was treating her employees. And legit does not feel like the page came for any of the rest of the ladies in a bad way. So Andy asks... Heather, do you have receipts on any of the horrible things that reality volunteers or Monica specifically said about you? Yes. They're still up. In fact, she's calling me, you know, like a T word and Shrek and those things were reposted over and over and over and over and over again. And you know, everybody on this couch has 10 personal examples of the bad things said about them from Monica. I don't believe that nobody said anything like, Granted, Annie didn't specifically ask or we didn't see that, but we've asked, does anybody have an example of what this account said about you guys that were so negative? It was just Heather. And we all know that those horrific things, those transphobic things, those fatphobic, rude, you know, things about her appearance were, were repetitions of what Jen had originally said. I can fully understand why it would hurt your feelings to see over and over um, the terrible things that your alleged friend Jen said about you, Heather, but I just am not understanding (laughs) the imbalance of uh, Monica with reference to basically everybody else. Like, Whitney is the only person who kind of says something that makes sense to me. She says, it didn't seem like anybody caught it, that she's more upset about the text messages happening between Monica and Bleep. But it very much looks like she's saying Tanisha, right? She's upset between that, fair enough, right? But then Heather's just going on and on and about the tag stuff and, you know, how the account has been cleared up over the past year and a half so a lot of the bad things that were said about them weren't you know there's no proof of that right because they're all gone so then monica pulls out her burn book and heather and lisa are like oh andy we're not doing this no no that's not we're not we're not monica says it's full of receipts so she hands it over hands it over to andy he opens it looks at the first page and goes oh that's cute (laughs) it's a picture of him from when he had long hair back in the day, there's, like, Snoopy on it, and it says, oh, uh, fucks the other half of New York, and it's pointing to the picture of Andy. So it's starting off, like, cutesy, Monica is calling herself a ugly slut, and then the rest of it is, like, the receipts of, she printed out the entire Reality Von T's Instagram grid. So Andy says, okay, well, in exposing Jen and repeating bad things, can you see how that would be hurtful to the other women? Heather starts to kind of cry, like, you know, what if we retweeted everything that your mom said every day? And Monica's like, but I already see it. which <laughs> just, just like, fair, like, that does happen to her. So Monica says, we were trying to get, how, get out how awful Jen was, and I'm really sorry that that hurt you. So Andy's, like, turned to Monica and says, I'm kind of surprised that you're surprised that these women are upset. And Monica's like, no, I really am, because they were such big fans of the page. To which Heather yells, you called me a fuckface skank bitch when I unfollowed the page. (laughs) (laughs) Then they show a conversation that Angie had in the DMs with uh, Reality Montees, and she's telling them, oh, we don't know who she's referring to. I'm assuming Jen or maybe Angie H. Oh, I wanted to go off on so-and-so real bad, but, you know, my husband talked me out of it, so, you know, whatever this, whatever they posted about this person, she's Andrew's telling them, oh, it was the best day of my life that you called her out. So Angie's like, yeah, so what? And Monica says, well, the page also said nice things about the women. And Heather's like, Okay, well, one thing out of 10,000, like, you're not a hero. And she keeps harping on this, like, you're not a hero, Monica, for, like, finally being honest. But why don't you have that energy for Tanisha? Like, why is Tanisha still putting Aussie stronghold in your hair? I don't, like, she, Tanisha's allowed to have a crisis of conscience. But the same thing happened. You only found out because you asked her about it. And had you not asked Tanisha about it, she never would have said anything. Which is the same thing that you're accusing Monica of being so unforgivable. (laughs) But you're, at least Bravo's paying Monica. You're paying Tanisha yourself, Heather. That doesn't make sense to me why you would keep her in your employ. Lisa tells Monica, like, basically, you know, based on what you said on that account, you must really fucking hate us, so I don't understand why you'd want to be friends with any of us. So Andy asked Monica, did you want to be their friends or did you want to get on the show? And Monica says, well, both, both can be true. What's wrong with wanting to sit on this couch? Andy is kind of on her side. He's like, yeah, I mean, it's not a crime. Ladies, what is the issue with her wanting to be on the show? And Lisa says, yeah, no, it's not a crime to want to be on the show. But going against all of them is a crime. And she should have led with the fact that she had that account. But instead, she got busted. So Monica says, but I knew it was gonna come out eventually. And the reason why I didn't lead with it is because when everybody made the page, they had decided we're gonna take this shit to the grave. So Lisa goes, okay, well, let's talk about some of the videos that got leaked. You know, I know how you got those, the same way you knew that I was gonna meet Snoop Dogg. I know how you got that information. She logged into Jen's security system and she was watching them for months. Monica keeps saying, no, it was my account, it was my account. And that for whatever reason, this is what I would want to know, why did Jen ask you to get a security system in her name? Now, was this, does her ex-husband Mike own a security thing, company? Even if he did, why would it be in Monica's name? Like, there's no reason that I can think that would make logical sense that Monica would have authorization and to set up your security account and have access to it. That does not make any sense to me. There were a lot of accusations that uh, Monica was listening into conversations in Jen's home. And that's how she was gathering information because she was watching them in the house, which I would like to say is weird as fuck. And she definitely did not deny doing that. <laughs> I don't I don't recall a time where she was like, no, I wasn't listening. And maybe she did, but maybe she did it once. And I feel like if somebody was repeatedly accusing me of watching somebody in their cameras, in their house, every time you said that, I'd be like, I didn't do that. No, I didn't. And I just didn't hear that happen with Monica. So what I want to be clear is that I still am kind of on Monica's side with the disclaimer that she still moved very weird. And I can understand why they don't necessarily want her on the show. I totally get that. I just feel like... I'm still kind of on her side, (laughs) but we'll talk about that in a second. She does basically fess up to rolling by Jen's house multiple times and taking pictures and selling them to TMZ, which Monica's like, yeah, you know, I never hit that shit. I fully admit that. So Andy is like, okay, but if you have pulled up to Jen's house multiple occasions, you don't consider that stalking. What do you consider stalking? And she's like, you know, like driving over and over and over again and like going in the house, like breaking. I think she meant like breaking and entering (laughs) would be stalking. But what she was doing was not stalking because people drive by their ex-boyfriend's house all the time. That's not considered stalking. Lisa makes her henchman, Heather, pull out the phone again to show Andy the receipts of what she says are probably 20 videos of Monica driving by the house. One of them, they show about three clips and one of them, you can hear Monica say, I don't want to be in prison for stalking. (laughs) So Monica says she was driving by when she was a witness for the FBI. And so Annie says, were they recommending that you drive by the house to check up on Jen? And she was like, yeah. And everybody kind of starts laughing. So Monica clarifies that they were just making sure that she wasn't drinking and driving. Because then that would be a violation of her per- uh, parole. But Andy makes the point of like, well, if she's in her house, she wouldn't be driving, right? So Andy asks the rest of the ladies, okay, if Monica's point, the whole thing about reality Vontees and Monica's whole, uh, you know, uh, I'm just going to say point again. I was trying to come up with a better word. but Her whole point was to just drive by her former employer who was up to no good in the hopes of adding more evidence or catching her. Why do you guys care? Cause she wasn't driving by y'all's houses. And Heather's like, she doesn't have my address. <laughs> I was like, yeah. And Monica's like, and I and I don't know it. That's the point. I wasn't trying to come for you guys. So Heather says that the capability that it would take as a human being to defend, to befriend somebody as a fan, work for them, infiltrate their lives and then become their assistant and then spread it on social media, that just raises a few red flags for her, which is a completely fair thing to say, except for you're still employing Tanisha, who seems to be just as much a party to reality Vontees as Monica. It makes a difference for you somehow that she got on the show... And not Tanisha, who's probably actually been in your home and does have your address and knows, like, intimate details about you. She probably hears, because Lord knows you get to talking around a glam squad and tell them all your secrets. God bless them. But, like, I just feel like Tanisha's been in much more personal and intimate spaces than Monica has filming this show with them. I That's just my belief. And so I that you only get, frankly, you don't get any credit. This is like multiplying by zero, okay? The zero is Tanisha. So anything that you were trying to apply to uh, Monica that's zeroed out by Tanisha, then both of y'all get zeros. You know what I mean? I don't, I wouldn't blame you if you didn't. But anyway, so... Then Heather, you know, keeps going, it's not some iconic thing that you did, Monica, ruined every one of our experiences. And if we could just create a gap in that, like it would change the experience so that higher caliber women would want to join. So now she's acting like the fucking Florence Nightingale of Housewives, like doing her own reality reckoning. You have said over and over, Andy, that social media, and I've said this too, is the worst part of being a housewife. And so if we could just create a gap in there, then maybe some higher caliber women would want to join the show. So then Lisa turns to Andy and goes, you guys brought her on the show knowing that she wanted to take every single one of us out and nobody gives a fuck. So Andy's like, "Uh, nobody in production knew about this, actually. And Heather goes, well, that's what Monica has been telling us. So Andy asks Monica, who in production knew? And Monica says, well, the first time I ever interviewed, like, I talked about it in casting. To which Andy says, no, if you had told us that you ran a burner or troll account, we for sure would not have cast you on this show. And then that's basically it of Reality Von Teesgate. Because then Andy switches to Angie's Greek Mafia rumor and, you know, how it was very coincidental that Monica had this conversation with Meredith and then a week later she's getting all these DMs repeating the same things, receipts and, and links to Angie's financial status and screenshots and stuff. Monica says, still to this day, she was not behind those DMs and she would admit it if she did. And Meredith is like, well... Monica, in Palm Springs, you told me on the plane that you had all the evidence. So it's just really not adding up. Angie speaks for herself and says that neither she nor Sean have ever filed bankruptcy. The only lien that they had was during the pandemic. And she tells Monica, be quiet. Be quiet. You don't own a business. You roll blankets or those fucking Cheeto crumbs and dog hair. But they came after my business, my marriage, my everything. And when Monica goes, yeah, same. Heather says, well, you don't have any of the same things that we have. And at that moment, I knew my Vicki gunn theory was true. Heather is getting so hard in the dick over the fact that, like, she is now the alpha in her mind. Jen was the alpha. She was in charge of all of the girls. Now she's locked away. And... Heather can come into her own. And she basically admits this later. Like I'm a completely different person than the person that I was when I joined the show three years ago. I would let things slide. I would let people walk over me, but I'm not doing that anymore. And I think that there's a slight overcorrection, kind of like what Whitney's doing with her healing journey. She's recreating whatever she did not get in high school or whatever she did not get from her being, you know, the her class of blonde Mormon wives, she's rejected and she does not like that. And now she finally gets to have this show, this group to lord over and be the gatekeeper of who gets to stay on the show and who doesn't. Under the guise of we're not gonna get screwed over again like the last bitch who was horrible to all of us. And I just feel like, I don't know that... What Monica did, like no, I do know what Monica did does not mean that she has to pay for Jenshaw's crimes of humanity that she's done not only to all of these other women, mostly to Heather, but also to like you know a lot of elderly people and vulnerable types all over the country. but no, I honestly think that Heather's letting her like like now she gets to do the banishing. she was banished, she Hates it. It's kind of her villain origin story. (laughs) And now she gets to be the one who's the head girl and being like, these are mine and you can leave. Bobblehead. And she loves it. She fucking loves it. Okay. And you can't tell me that she doesn't. So then Monica and Angie are going back and forth and Monica's like, well, listen. You can say that I don't have the same things that you guys have, but I'm sitting here on this couch just like you are. Well, not you, Angie. You're actually at the end of the couch, but I'm surviving and thriving as well. Thank you. Angie's like, well, you're sitting there because you're in a hot seat. I'm a loyal friend, and I'd rather sit here than be a lowbrow rat. And Monica goes, oh, brown? I'm a brown rat? Is that what you said? I'm a brown rat? (laughs) Like, okay, Monica. No, that's not what she said. (laughs) Yeah, You know it, girl. Let it go. Let the mouse go. (laughs) So when they come back from break, the screen gets serious and tells us on the morning of April 9th, 2022, while on a girl's trip in San Diego, California, Heather Gay woke up with a black eye. Crews were not filming at the time of the incident. So we go back to the stage and Andy says, Heather, you shocked the world when you claimed that Jen Shaw gave you the black eye. Tell us how it happened. And Heather says, and I quote, I I mean, honestly, it was a lot of drinking and the next morning I woke up with a black eye and I knew I got it from Jen. I didn't know how, but I knew I got it from her. She was the first person I texted and she said, did I give that to you? And I said, don't worry, I'll cover. So there you have it, folks. After damn near two years of Heather lying and covering up for Jen Shaw, we find out the truth, which is that they got drunk. I don't know what happened, but I know that Jen gave it to me, and I told her I'd just cover for you. That that's that doesn't tell me anything. And I don't think that that's the whole story. Like, clearly it's not the whole story, but I think you know that that's not the whole story. I think you know what the whole story is, Heather Gay, and I think you're still not telling it, and I think that's just very odd. I don't get it. Andy asks Heather why it was her inclination to cover for Jen, and she's like, I don't know. I was scared of her, I think. So Andy says, were you scared at that point because Jen was in legal trouble? And she says, well, I'd been covering for her for three years. I wasn't going to stop with the black eye. I was that in. I was too scared to say anything. I was terrified of it. I'm still terrified to stay at reunion. And I was terrified to say it in Bermuda. But watching this happen again, I just realized that I was contributing, kind of. (laughs) So Andy says we have footage from San Diego and Heather covers her head in her hands because she knows that she already told production what happened in this conversation. Cause they have footage of Jen going into Heather's room the night after and talking about it, but they don't have any audio. So they asked Heather to explain what was being said. So at the time, apparently it sounds like there was an investigation. They had pulled this footage of Jen and Heather and asked them what they were talking about and they both said that they were talking about something else entirely. So then we see that footage. Jen walks into Heather's room, she sits down on the couch, Heather starts narrating that Jen hands her this pink purse. And Heather says that Jen was just thanking her for letting her borrow the purse. And she says, absolutely. And Jen says, looks at Heather's black eye and says, I did that to you. I can't believe I did that to you. And Heather responds, don't worry about it. I got you. And that's really kind of the only thing that you can hear Heather say is the I got you part. So Heather says to Andy, let me start by saying I'm sorry. I'm sorry to you. And I'm sorry to you guys, I'm sorry to the network, I'm sorry to the audience. I didn't know how to navigate it myself. I knew it was becoming something bigger and more than I could handle. It was a horrible situation, and I lived through this, and I knew the relentlessness of what it would become, and I lived a lot of that. And a lot of that, you know, really, I was just like, they were fixated on the black eye, and I didn't know how to say anything other than I was scared and did what I always do, which is deflect with humor, which is in poor taste, and it was horrible. And Andy goes, I don't really know if you deflected with humor. (laughs) I don't know that it was humor. And she was like, oh, you know, like we talked about the spider in the eye and all the eggs and stuff like that was funny or whatever. So then Andy's like, "Okay, but when lawyers got involved, I have to assume that you were kind of freaking out. Right. And others like, yeah, I really was. I started freaking out because all that time I had told Jen that I would cover for her. And I couldn't say And I couldn't say how it happened. And he says, well, you went so far as to lie on your book tour about it and say that you thought maybe you fell into a bedroom cabinet. But then on another tour stop, you said that somebody may have broken into the house and hit you, but production edited it out because of a non-disparagement clause between you and the rental company and like the Airbnb. And it's really not funny to accuse the producer's or the production company of covering up the crime of an assault. So Heather goes, no, it's not, and you know that's why I led with, I'm sorry today, and I never would have come, cl- I never would have come clean if this hadn't happened. And you know that makes me sad too. I took a lot of hits for that black eye, figuratively and literally, and I didn't go on social media for six months, and I'm still scared. I, I don't want to have to do it now. We have to time the fuck out, girl. Cause what are you talking about? You're straight up saying you that that whole thing about the non-disparagement clause between production and the rumor, and then production uh, covering it up with the rental company was something that had been going on on the internet. And now Heather's like, oh, well, I just took that rumor and ran with it. And now she's downsizing what she's doing, which is calling everything that she did a joke, even though it sounds like there was very much a thorough investigation that went on in which she and Jen decided to come go into cahoots with each other and lie about a conversation that they had, knowing damn well what happened with Heather's black eye. Investigations happened with probably various members of production to make sure that they were telling the truth. People could have lost their jobs behind this. And she's acting like, oh, I was just telling a little jokey joke on a book tour. Another thing that she monetarily benefited from. And the only reason why I'm being honest about this now is because Monica has a troll Instagram account. No, no miss me with that (laughs) so at this point andy asks a million dollar question is if the grace that you're asking everybody to give you heather might be the same grace that should be given to monica and heather says well i can't answer that question because the way i handled it was to internalize and andy goes no you accuse of production which is not internalizing anything and heather goes well I didn't make a repeat accusation. It was a joke. It was clearly just absurd humor and it wasn't posted online. It wasn't perpetuated. It's not like that. But, you know, I took it on myself and I repressed it and made it my responsibility. I was the victim, but I was also supposed to be the person that like told on her and I just didn't have the capacity to do that. Okay, well, those are all things that Monica can say. That doesn't make sense. Acting like because it wasn't repeated online, it's better than an internal investigation that could have lost people their actual jobs. And I imagine that when that would like if that mark was on your resume and you're saying, why was why were you fired from a major Bravo Housewives production? And you have to say, oh, well, I was accused by a housewife. By the talent of, you know, assault or covering up the fact that she was assaulted, do you think they're going to get a job again? Like, and you're actually like, oh, well, because she tagged me on Instagram stories, that is more harmful because if if somebody had gotten fired, but they had gotten fired quietly, but Monica tagging you publicly is more detrimental because you were just doing absurd humor absurd humor is not accusing people and having an investigation launch and just like not saying anything about it that's not absurd humor that's actually not funny at all and again things that monica did were creepy okay but this is like really fucked up i think so andy looks at heather and says look you lied to production bravo even at one point said that maybe a producer had hit you which is really serious because it puts people's reputations and jobs at risk. Did you ever go to Jen and say, hey, this is getting a little bit bigger? Maybe we should be honest. And Heather said, yeah, Jen and I had a lot of conversations about this. And she just basically told me, keep it tight. If they basically like no tape, no proof, no. There's a phrase that I'm not kidding. <laughs> Basically, if they don't have anything on us, just deny, deny, deny. Okay. so Andy asks if Jen. Ever thanked Heather for this and Heather says, no, she was never my friend. She just pretended to be my friend and I fell for it and I will not fall for a pretend friend again. I was a different person then and I was worried about her retaliation and I still am. There's enough distance now, but I'm also a different person than I was when I started the show. And the person I was would eat that shit. It's not the person I am now. And it was a really pivotal moment for me in Bermuda. And I was sitting there and I kind of thought that... I kind of thought that you, Monica, would say that, Hey, I gave it up. I'm sorry. I wanted to be here so badly that I did all of this. And you didn't. You spun it and you deflected. And as I sat there, I was thinking... This is all so familiar to me, and I've been here before, and I'm not going to do it again. This, you see what I mean about this high school stuff? She wanted, which is, I think, why Tanisha gets to say, because she had that crisis of conscience and probably cried to and was like, I'm so sorry, like, could I do this to you? But Monica's not doing it. She's standing 10 toes down, like it or not. Heather doesn't like it because she's not kissing the ring. That's all. Monica said she was sorry. But Heather was like, oh, you're not doing this thing of letting me be the alpha. So I'm going to kick your ass out. That's enough. It's it's her ego is wrapped up in this, you guys. And I don't see how people don't see that. And then Heather said the most exposing thing of all. She says to Andy. You know, I've been there before, I'm not gonna do it again. And if this is part of the job, then maybe it shouldn't be part of the job. Cause you know, she should have said, if this is part of the job, then maybe I wouldn't be part of it. But you're gonna have to pull that snowflake from her cold, dead hands, okay? She's not letting go, okay? She made that very clear. So Andy asks Monica, what do you think after hearing what Heather has said? And Monica says, listen, it was really hard to watch. And I think, you know, maybe that me and Heather and possibly even Angie have gone through the same things. And Lisa interrupts and goes, "Well, what about me?" And Andy goes, "Just let her finish." <laughs> so Monica says, "Heather can hate me all the- she wants. That's fine. But I will never deny that she and I went through the exact same trauma." And I think, Angie, you got um Spilled a drink spilled on you. I consider that assault. And she says to Lisa, "I don't know. Like, has Jen put her hands on you? Because I don't know if she has or not. Well, she almost did in the spinner, but maybe that doesn't count for you, <laughs> girl. If you don't drink a poppy and calm down, like okay, we don't need all this energy right now, okay?" Monica, I think, is being very contrite in this moment, and she says. We have had the same situation where Jenna's has put hands on us, allegedly, but I see that we reacted in different ways. You kept it all in and internalized it and made your jokes and, you know, put people's careers in the line. I blurted it all out. I'm literally getting phone calls from people right now threatening because I came out about Jen and my involvement in the trial. So I understand where you're coming from about the threats. I understand why you're scared. I understand why you did what you did and how you went about it. So then Andy asked the rest of the ladies how they feel now that Heather's been honest about the black eye. Whitney says it makes her feel terrible, but like she can get it like maybe Heather has Stockholm syndrome with Jen and how Jen kind of put all of them at risk, but knowing who Jen is like and what she's capable of, she knows now why Heather hit it. Lisa says last year she was actually really furious with Heather because she put people's jobs at risk in production. But then she realized that last year's reunion that Heather was a broken person and it's not good. So Andy says, well, the, theme seems to be that Jen has made people do things that aren't characteristic of who they are. So again, is there any grace to give Monica? And what does Heather say? That, listen, the way you came in today actually hurt me more and it didn't resolve anything for me. I actually made it clear. It was made very clear to me about my own boundaries and how far I've come, like listening to you today. So Whitney says that she's just more confused than ever, which is like, you know, what's new? And she does not trust Monica at this point. So all she can say right now is no. But like what she can say is this whole thing has been very triggering for her. And in those moments, she tends to say the wrong thing. So she's actually being very fair to Monica by just saying no. (laughs) Just to be fair, I'm, I'm telling you no forever is me being fair to you now. So Andy asks, what is it that Monica could do or say to any one of you to help this situation? Lisa's very quick to be like, nothing, nothing, Andy. It's over. And he says, well, is there anything that she could have said today that maybe would have changed any of your feelings, Heather? No. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Meredith, very Esquire. I think it's very problematic to move forward in this group where trust has been completely decimated. So Andy asks Monica, if there's anything else you want to clear up, girl? Anything that you want to say has been misunderstood? And Monica says, you know, I feel like there's a lot that has been misunderstood, but, like, whatever. Is there anything you feel strongly that you want to say, Monica? No. No. (laughs) Nothing? No. No. That basically was the end. You know, they do their... Warm and prickly, cold and fuzzy. I think I got that wrong. Doesn't matter. Didn't care. Didn't clock anything. Meredith, that was the only one I clocked that. Her warm and fuzzy was at um, the butter. The butter that she churned and brought to various restaurants with her. And had them present it. Plate it and present it, please. So that she could have... She has a... I hope you guys can't hear my stomach, darling. But I fear that you might be able to. (laughs) Um, But... She has a video on TikTok of her um, going to a restaurant and having them plate and present her butter. And she takes the smallest piece of bread. Like, I don't even know if you could constitute it as a piece of bread. It was like a large crumb with like a lot of butter, which was like, mm, "This is." I love when people pretend to eat. They're like, I have such a big appetite and that they're like, I'm going to have... Half a bite of this pepperoni. Just, like, the tiniest little bite. Mm, I'm so full. I'm so full. (laughs) It was, the piece of bread was about as big as her fingertip. I love her. Um, I want to get to Heather on Watch What Happens Live. Like, first of all, we do have to salute a bad bitch when we see one. She looked the fuck good. Shout out to you, Tanisha. Um, But the content was whack. And we need to address a couple things. Andy does ask Heather how she feels about, you know, the audience feeling like they're kind of, you know, letting go the fact that Jen was defrauding the elderly and not so much with Monica for exposing the fact that Jen was defrauding the elderly and having a troll Instagram account. And Heather says, well, Jen denied ever having any guilt until she she pled guilty. And she denied it until the morning she pled guilty. So we were supporting her to the very last second and what she was professing to be saying. None of us wanted her to be defrauding the elderly. And Jen was at least herself when she was doing that. Monica came on as a completely different person and nobody knows who she really is. So how can we really support her? Girl, huh? At least Jen was being herself when she was defrauding people and going oops upside all our heads and spilling drinks on us. That's the best defense. And then later she said that she hopes that Jen is watching this and is happy that they kicked Monica out, that she's proud. I hope she's proud of us for getting her out. Why? Why do you need inmate number 742963 to be proud of you? This is what is pissing me the fuck off. (laughs) I don't. (laughs) On Twitter, I was like, my thing is, if Jen was not, you know, using a blade that she had gotten from one of her friends to etch the days she has left into her cell wall, would any of them be holding her accountable to this day if she was on the other side? And not, you know, at camps or whatever Teresa used to say. Would y'all be holding her accountable? No, you would not. You would be celebrating and applauding her and, you know, bigging her up in whatever Versace head to toe villain outfit she had, scamming off of the elderly this time. Y'all knew. You guys knew. I know that you don't want your friend to be a fraud. Nobody would. I get that, girl. But the fact that you're acting like, well, we just believed her, why? Nothing about how Jen was running her life you should believe her. You, were, you admitted that she was basically an emotional terrorist to all of y'all, making you guys live in fear, and yet you're hoping that she's proud of you from the jail cell that she's in, from the horrific things that she did, stealing people's money and their futures from them. What are you talking about? This shit don't make no damn sense. Make it make sense. Backwards. Goodbye, Salt Lake. Goodbye. Let's move on to Beverly Hills. I don't need
1: ghosts
0: and little people in my life. I'm on medication. I'm trying very hard to remain stable. Is that an attic? No, it's just a... It's an attic. Oh, I'm telling you, don't, it's don't, an attic. that. you you left it? No, you left it over here.
2: In a house like this, you don't open vents, you don't go into attics or basements. Everybody knows that.
0: Nobody jumped All out right,
2: of let's there. Let's get into yeah, Beverly Hills real quick. We're headed to Spain. So the episode begins with the ladies doing our typical housewives packing, right? Sutton's doing her packing and by that I mean she's telling Avi that she you know I don't like plastic hangers Avi but then he is like I'm not really sure why I'm not coming and she tells him you know Avi I don't want this to be a sore subject but I am bringing merce and Avi just looks at her and then we find out that uh, Merce is somebody that Sutton met back in her ballerina days. And, um, you know, she really looked up to him like he's a god. And then she asks Avi, Do you want to go get him? And he's like, Wait, you mean the ashes? <laughs> so Avi puts on his purple surgical gloves. Gets a zip- Ziploc snack bag, which I think is important. This wasn't even the sandwich size. It was the rectangular snack bag, which I actually say do tend to have, like, the better fastener on it. It's like that thick one. it, it It's good for the, you know, with all due. For the occasion, I, I think this was probably the right bag choice. Anyway, so they try to figure out where to put him, like, maybe someplace that's a little bit more aesthetically pleasing um, than the inside of a plastic bag. Um, did I say that Merce died? I said ashes, right? Yeah, okay. Um, so Merce has been dead for at least 12 years. She's just had these ashes hanging around. And, uh, you know, she wants to put him in this little ceramic. It looks like a Jonathan Adler container. But obviously, like, maybe you just keep Merce in the bag until you get there. Just... You know, don't pull a Sonia. Make sure he doesn't blow in your face, quite literally. So, in the Sprinter van, on the way to the house, the girls get to Spain. They're headed to this house in like outside of Barcelona. Sutton makes them play a game called All of a Sutton about her for a prize as yet determined. Why does she ask them <laughs> what her dad's name was? And Crystal says, Mr. Sutton. <laughs> and she was dead ass about that, too. I love when you get in that, like, game phase where you just answer whatever the hell comes out of your mouth immediately. I love that. I actually really hate games. <laughs> and I'm I kind of, like, down on myself about it now. Like, I went really over a decade being like, I'm just not a game girly. Like, I don't want to play scattergories. I don't want to make a little thing out of purple clay that you can guess what it is. I don't want to act anything out. But now I'm feeling like, okay, am I being a little bit curmudgeonly about this? And do I need to get myself together and, like, get in there, coach? But every fiber of my being is like, no, no. There's just something about, like, a force group activity that just, I just don't want to do it. And maybe, honestly, I would say, not even kidding 80% of the reason why I never delved into the corporate world is because I don't want to do stuff. I don't want I was on a Slack channel for something that I did for about a month. It was torture for me. Okay? I don't want to do um any sort of team building activity. I don't want you to call us a family. I don't want to do any of those things even if you paid me. You know, it's just it's not worth the subway sandwich that I'm getting out of this, like, nothing's going to be worth that. So honestly, like, I had to, much like Heather Gay's pioneer ancestors, forge my own path to money making because I just, I couldn't do it. I'm not even joking, you guys. I just veered so off course. I'm sorry. They get to the house in Spain, right? And they, you know, they're getting some sangria. They're getting a little tour. And the tour guy kind of stops them and has been like, okay, there's something I do have to tell you about the house. And Erica goes, I knew it. There's a ghost in here. So then Erica says very somberly in a confessional, I do have the ability to smell different spirits. I really can. So apparently the previous owners told the current hotel owners or Airbnb owners that There were little people running around on the property, but they're friendly. I don't know if this is a translation situation or not, but we're not really locking down on what little person means. Are you talking like a gnome? Is this a ghost flying around? Are they in the corners? Are they going to be biting my ankles? Like, is this like a dwarf little person? Like, what's going on? We didn't get enough of an answer on that for me like i need to know what i'm looking for i'm you know for the first and probably last time with Anne marie saying you know in the scary movies we're the ones who go out first and then for the first of many times i was with garcelle when she said well if it's between the two of us then i'm hoping that Anne marie goes first Low key, Anne Marie would probably save the whole family, the whole house, if the gnome, the little person, whatever, came for her first. And she was like, God, you're just like really obsessed with me. Like, I just can't believe that you're like, you came for me first. Like, God, like, you just can't stop thinking about me. And then they were just like, you know what? Forget it. And they just left. <laughs> just like, I'm going back under my bridge or wherever I am into the sky. I don't know. Ugh, that woman. So then, you know, Erica's, I'm kind of with her too. She's like, I don't need ghosts and little people in my life. I'm on medication. I need things to be stable. Garcelle's talking about how she wants no parts of this situation because, you know, she grew up Haitian. They don't play with that shit. There's voodoo and witchcraft in her life. She would hear stories about somebody turning into a goat during their open casket funeral, or she would hear drums in the middle of the night. They're telling her, you can't look out the windows. You know, this is real for her. So after getting to the house, the ladies are uh, going downstairs for their first dinner, right? And they're greeted by Chef Storm. And you know what? (laughs) Garcelle was like, amen. Are you going to be here the whole time? Oh, amazing. He's like super tall, a little young for me. I got to say, like, I'm going to need him to grow a few more chest hairs personally but I'm liking where we're going. I'm, I'm loving the trajectory of what's happening. Like an Animorph, he's on like the third panel. I'm going to need him to go to a five, okay? Look, and then you can holler at me then. But Garcelle was all about it, and so was Erica. As soon as he leaves, Garcelle looks at Erica and goes, we could tag team him. And Erica goes, uh-huh, anytime you want. You can go first. I'll take second. No problem. <laughs> These were the girls that should have always been, okay? And we should always be cognizant of that. Sutton decides to pull out her special guest. Merce did get a a technical second location. We're still in the Ziploc bag. However, we did put him in some sort of clamshell case. And it looked very nice and appropriate for the occasion, right? I don't know if presenting him at your first dinner was appropriate for the occasion, but that's your friend, girl. You know, that's your friend. Oddly enough, before she presents Merce to everybody, Anne-Marie says, what do you have, one of the ghosts? <laughs> like, <"Ew." laughs> Uh-oh. So she tells them, this is Merce Cunningham, he's a real big deal. Kyle goes, well, yeah, but he's in a little box. And then they all realize, wait, is he in a Ziploc bag? Sudden. So she tells them their story, right? Like, they were super close. She worked as his like, uh, office assistant or something like that for six years, and he like never thought she was weird, and he was one of the most important people in her life, the first person or one of the first people to call her after her dad passed away, so they had a very special relationship, right? Everybody is able to have some fun after that. We're able to go pretty quickly into the light and bright, but of course, <laughs> Anne Marie decides to ruin it by saying, you know, I really need to get up stuff on my chest. And how like last week, aka like three days ago, things were said on her part. I apologize for them. But you know, Sutton and I talked and I hope we're in a better place. And Sutton's like, Yeah, I'm fine, girl. You talking about my esophagus was actually fine. The issue was you with the lonely and secure stuff. So we see in a flashback that Anne Marie had told Sutton that homeless, not toothless. Oh, um, I'm gonna go home to my amazing husband, my amazing family, and like, thank God I'm just not like lonely and insecure. And something looks at her, it's like, who's insecure? So she tells her, you know, as a wife, I was actually far more lonely than I am today. And when my husband wasn't working, he was sleeping because he was so tired. Like, you know, it's just a different lifestyle living with a, a busy businessman whatever she was saying so then you know garcelle's like yeah i kind of also took offense to the idea of us being lonely for being single like what's that about girl right so Anne marie um she she didn't use the word apologize did she actually apologize uh i, I think so now i, I nope <laughs> i don't think so Anne-Marie says, well, several of us were angry that night. I said things I wasn't proud of, and I apologize for that, okay? I'm sorry it affected you and everyone else I offended. I'm sorry. So Crystal's like, okay, but you called me insecure. Anne-Marie goes, oh, we're, we're going to get to you. Okay, girl. Okay. Why don't you take your notes app out so you could finish the rest of this monologue? So she explains to the rest of the ladies that the first time she and Crystal met was, like Crystal said, at their mutual friend's holiday party, right? And allegedly one of the first things that Crystal said to Anne-Marie is that the whole group are not educated and they're shallow. So Sutton goes, well, she knows I'm educated, so (laughs) I'm out of this. (laughs) So then Anne-Marie says in a confessional that, like, uh, listen. No, was it Dorit? It was Dorit. Oh yeah, it was Dorit. Oh, you're nowhere near more educated than us. And by the way, child bride. While you were busy getting married at twelve, the rest of us were building businesses, graduating college, you know, to educate ourselves. And we were also waiting for our husbands to finish up with their first marriages and families to move on to us. Okay. Middle finger to Dorit, okay? I'm doing the middle finger. Not the classic, the reverse, where you see, you know, the other side. You're getting the palm, the palm side of my middle finger, okay? Child bride is a real choice. It's a real choice of language, and it's a bad one. And I think we've all established that. So, not good. And also, like... Crystal was 24, young, sure. Not that young. And also, I just feel like these women throw jabs in very mixed company where uh, there are several hit dogs that are really trying not to holler in this situation because a couple of y'all got married to much older dudes than Rob. And uh I just don't think we need to talk. I also feel like I feel like these women know and I don't think they care. <laughs> so I'm just having a hard time caring myself. I feel like Crystal has been a little bit condescending towards all of them and like using these five dollar words and acting like, "Oh, if you guys even understand what I'm saying to you right now." Like there's a history and a pattern of her saying that. Also, she's in a confessional After saying in 2023, I would never say that, that's false. I never said those things. The editors rewind to 2020 where Crystal says in a confessional, yeah, I mean, they're very savvy, but they're clearly not highly educated. But also, like, I don't know. I just can't hold a torch if these six chicks don't care and it was about them. And they're just like, well... I mean, it just seems also like they very much know this and I don't really think they're taking it on. So why do I have to, you know, like, I believe this happened in the same way that I believe, um, you know, Lisa Barlow was bragging about being in a private jet with Snoop Dogg. Like, I think she said that she just didn't say that directly to Monica, much like Crystal probably said that, but she didn't say that directly to Anne-Marie. Anne-Marie was either around or she heard about it later, so... And, like, what... You're... She's whack. Anne-Marie goes on to tell Crystal to be honest, and Garcelle does say in a confessional, like, we do have a history with Crystal thinking we're less smart than her. Like, we kind of already knew that. You know, I know that Crystal thinks that some of us are not as astute as her. You know? That's a big word. So then Anne-Marie says to Crystal that... Also, Crystal told her that none of the ladies in the group are actual socialites except for her. And there's, like, a mixed reaction to that. Uh, Sutton, well, I am a socialite. I do know that. That that one is true. But the rest of them are kind of like, well, I don't want to be a socialite. Like, I don't want to. And Kyle, you know, socialite, aunt socialite, says, well, the most of the socialites that I know wouldn't call themselves socialites. And Crystal's like, yeah, exactly. So... I didn't. (laughs) So after these two allegations don't really hit, she tries another angle with Crystal and accuses her of thinking that she's better than other people. And Sutton sticks up for her and is like, no, she does not feel that way. So then Crystal's like, what is your problem, girl? I've met you six times in my life. You know, you need to give me an example of me thinking that I'm better than people. Like a specific one. Name them. Name them. Name them. Right? Right? Crystal accuses, uh, no, Anne-Marie accuses Crystal of acting like a hormonal teenager. And, you know, she acts like I do not like when people throw rocks and hide their hands and you provoke people. Crystal's right. And then she acts like she doesn't understand why she's getting this energy out. Return to her. I don't like when people play smart and dumb at the same time. So Sutton says, you know. Y'all need to calm down before the little people come out. So Anne-Marie tells Crystal, you know what else I want from you? I want to thank you for giving you something to talk about and making your ass relevant. (laughs) Oh, oh, Anne-Marie, who's been chomping at the bit for the past four episodes, several hours, as we've seen, have to talk about Sutton's esophagus, wants to accuse somebody else of having nothing better to talk about. Except for her? I don't think so. And honestly, like, based on some headlines, girl, if Crystal really wanted to dig in on your ass, she would have done that. We would have all been very clear on that. But she hasn't. And, like, quietness is kept. Like, going back to the education and savvy or whatever, like, I mean, do we want to talk about the businesses? Like, do we want to go pound for pound? On who's doing well in their business, Miss Beverly Beach. I don't think you want to go up against a uh, real Coco who's been in Costco for how many years now. I don't think you want to do that. I don't think you want to know that. Speaking of Crystal digging in people's ass, actually, if y'all want to skip on down to Instagram, Two days ago, she posted a picture, the same wedding picture that was um, playing when Dorit was calling her a child bride on the show, of she and Rob during their wedding. Keys to a successful marriage are in the caption. There's a blue diamond before that. One, these are not numbered, but one, set aside quality time together, express love and appreciation, manage conflict constructively, buy, don't borrow... Diamond necklaces for your wife. Hashtag R H O B H. All new episode tonight on at Bravo TV at 8 p.m. Ooh. And then somebody commented, shout out to you, BG Val underscore. Don't acquire massive amounts of debt. To which Crystal Kung Minkoff replied, All caps, number one. <laughs> And then she posted another one of her business. Um, so many of you have asked about the coconut water company I co founded with my brother and best friend 12 years ago. I welcome you to check out our page, Enjoy Real Cocoa, and head over to our website, enjoyrealcoco.com, and learn all about our organic, farm to bottle coconut products because our website actually works. <laughs> uh oh, find us at Costco, Amazon, Smart Final, and your local retailer nationwide. Kathy Hilton re- responded, the best with four coconuts and a coconut tree, <laughs> a palm tree. <laughs> uh, shout out to her. Um, Yeah, apparently this real cocoa, I'm not a coconut water girl, but um, apparently it's like the number two coconut water business in the world. So check that. I really thought that when we saw that, I'm going to... Uh, I'm gonna get a thank you for you for for making your ass relevant. That this would be like a, even a nibble, and it wasn't. This is starvation. This is starvation. Not eating. She's such a cornbag. She really is. We gotta move on because I, I can't anymore. Garcelle's freaked out in this castle wherever they are and decides to sleep with Sutton because she's scared. Just like, there's a crib in this house. I'm not even going to look in there. I don't know what's in it. <laughs> so the next morning, Sutton, I hope you guys notice this, knocks on Crystal's bedroom door and asks, may I enter before entering Crystal's bedroom? Meanwhile, Garcelle is talking to Anne-Marie in her bedroom about what happened the night before with Crystal. Anne-Marie says she wants everything to be cool, allegedly, but Crystal's not being honest about what she said about the women and how, like... Garcelle's like, are you sure? She's like, I don't lie. Like, I definitely don't lie. Now, we definitely saw you lie when you said that Crystal was the one who said that Sutton had an eating disorder when you quite literally said it 23 seconds before out of your very own mouth. So the track record's not great, you know? The cornball meter is truly off the charts, so I... I'm having a hard time defending you right now, Anne-Marie. I forgot to mention, by the way, that the dinner ended with Dorit being like, we had a long night, maybe we should all just go to bed. And Kyle's mumbling, like, ruined dinner. Everybody's very upset with Anne-Marie, but they're not saying it. Like, the tension is so thick in the air. Or they're just like, for fuck's sake, like, we were having a good time. Sutton says in the confessional, I made this incredible atmosphere. I had the chef, I had the tapas, I had the sangria and the wine. And here comes Anne-Marie telling us that Crystal hates us all and thinks we're stupid and vapid. What is that about? So Sutton is doing her duty as mother, okay? And housewife and tells Crystal, you realized that Anne-Marie called you a liar in front of the whole group. And Crystal's like playing it very cool like in a way that I think she knew that like I'm not really gonna fight this okay okay she says I don't think anybody even believes Anne-Marie so I'm not even gonna like put too much energy into this but Sutton tells her but you need to not let her off the hook for this you really don't but Crystal's like but there's a difference between you and I you need to have it be established that something that you didn't say wasn't said and it's out there. I don't really need that. You know, like, I'm cool. But she does tell Sutton, I will confront her. Like, I hear you. I'll do it. So then their plan is to go tour a church, right? Erica announces as they're waiting for the sprinters. Oh, um, I have some good news. And Crystal, you'll probably want to hear this. So she pulls out her phone and reads this headline about how the district court had discussed her appeal regarding the earrings and tells everybody that the court reversed the turnover order from the bankruptcy court. And everybody's like, oh, okay. Um, What does that mean? So Erica has to explain to them that the court, what was happening is that the earrings The infamous earrings that everybody was telling her, just get rid of, girls, not a good look, these $750,000 earrings, were held up in a court saying that the money used to purchase the earrings were purchased specifically with clients' trust money, victims' money, right? That Mr. Uh, Girardi had. Promised. Now, I forgot to mention that uh, Mr. Gerard is really in a bad way, and um, the courts told him, You are, in fact, mentally fit. I know you've been claiming for years that you've got, you know, deep dementia or something like that, but you don't. And you're going to have to sit for your trial, girl. Nice try. Nice try. So, it's not looking good for him right now. 2024 did not start off great for, for. for Tom Girardi, I will say. Um, but, so she's explaining to them that it's now gotten struck down in the higher court and it's just getting kicked down to a lower one, okay? Because they couldn't definitively approve uh, prove one way or the other that that money was used was like client money. So Erica further explains in a confessional that... She's like, you know, I got heated and I told them the story isn't over. Please listen to me. And then she says, everything that I said was going to happen is happening now and that they should have let the legal system work things out. This was a long fight and to not rush to any sort of judgment. So Erica tells them all a win is a win, you know. This thing is going to go down to a lower court, which means that the situation still needs to be worked out. It's just not going to be worked out in an upper court. Kyle Richards has the nerve to say in a confessional, it just feels like Erica's being vindicated with a lot of the women in the group, and they had doubts about her. But you did too. Why are you not including yourself in this, ma'am? Babe, come on. Garcelle says in a confessional, I just wish he would let the earrings go. Give something back to the victim so that you can sleep at night. So that even though if you're not guilty, fine, but you're still giving something back to them. It turns out that Erica is actually upset with the women's reaction and says in a confessional, listen, I can't expect them to react in any certain way, but I am really disappointed because I was expecting more. Like, I don't need anybody to put their arms around me I just need you to, to acknowledge that like what I said was going to happen is happening. You know, that would be a nice moment for me. And in that moment, I'm like going right back to St. Barts with Aliva with her blazer on looking at Sonia and Ramona being like, I was expecting, because remember she was like claiming she couldn't be on small boats. And so Reed took her on a little puddle jumper to St. Barts. And, and so I was expecting a banner saying, Welcome, Aviva. Rah, rah. You did it. I think that's what Erica's expecting. Ma'am, this didn't really work out in your favor. This is just another fight. Has anything happened to it? Like, has are we still in the lower court? Has it been kicked down further? Or, like, what? And, okay, so it goes to a lower court. If she's found guilty in that lower court... Like, that's not a win, babe. <laughs> that's just, like, another headache. I don't know. It just feels like another circle of hell. Like, oh, I got to continue this because there was no definitive. Like, if the upper court can't make a definitive judgment one way or the other, I just feel like the lower court's probably going to find you guilty. Like, I, I, I mean, I'm no lawyer, only on the weekends, but it just feels like a bigger headache to me. But, okay, girl, I'm sorry you didn't get your banner, girl. I'm sorry they didn't, you know, get you in a group hug. Like I don't know what you expected, ma'am, but <laughs> it's funny to me. Anyway, so the episode ends when they're driving up to the church. They're in the sprinters, and it's like a windy road. They're going uphill. It's curving big time. A lot of the ladies are feeling a little bit. Ugh, but Crystal, the most, so she asks them, like, "We gotta, you gotta stop the car." let me outside so she you know is feeling some type of way she gets sick they go up the rest of the path and then crystal gets out and kind of hangs out on the side there's like a little not bench but like a little thing that she can sit on right and she's feeling really some type of way and it seems kind of maybe psychosomatic like she's she can see that her veins are popping in her hands, and she's getting freaked out. She's showing Garcelle, and she's like, wait, why are my veins popping? Why am I vomiting? What's going on? And you can see, like, she's being like, oh, my God, like, what's happening with my body? Like, am I okay? Really getting freaked out. So Garcelle goes to Anne-Marie and says, well, what does it mean if somebody's um, veins are popping out? So Anne-Marie goes over there, and she's like, oh, what's going on? Are you okay? What's wrong? And Crystal's just kind of, like, having her moment. She's, like, in her own world right now. You can just tell she's, like, trying to take some deep breaths and, you know, come down a little bit. And Kyle says at a confessional, Last night, the universe works in mysterious ways. Because last night, these two were at each other's throats. And right now, Crystal is at Anne-Marie's mercy. <laughs> Which, like, I, this is, this, She's not in the arms of an angel right now, okay? Anne-Marie's just standing there being like, what's wrong? she's fine she's fine okay everybody's fine Nobody's at anybody's mercy all right (laughs) uh these women you guys next week we're gonna be talking about since there's no salt lake we're gonna be feeling the rush i'm gonna be putting miami officially back on the docket and potomac will probably be there too but again i reserve the right to change that but i'm hoping for brighter days for all of us okay have a great weekend thank you guys so much for listening Thank me for speaking. Love you. Bye.